I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today, I am reading from chapter nine of my book, How to Plant and Grow a Church. I'm talking about pitfalls, what to avoid, what often happens when you go on a mission team, and what to look for if you're planting a church either supported by another church or else self-supporting. Find out this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. The CLIMB Conference is coming up November 30th through December 3rd in Dallas, Texas. I'd like to ask you to register today at robskinner.com if you haven't already. It's going to be an amazing, amazing conference that will inspire you, equip you, train you, and prepare you to do amazing things in 2024. It's going to be filled with people like yourselves, people who are eager to advance God's kingdom, to grow, to learn, to make friends, to develop partnerships with people from around the world. We've got amazing speakers who are going to absolutely thrill your soul. They're going to inspire you by what they have to share from the word. Please, please, please sign up at robskinner.com if you haven't already, and I look forward to seeing you in Dallas. Chapter 9, Pitfalls. When a writer puts together a how-to book... He gives the appearance of having an orderly and masterly plan executed without any impediments or obstacles. The reality is that when you plan a church, you start with a basic plan, a motivating vision, and then the rest of the time is spent experimenting, failing, succeeding, struggling, and trying new things. I have made tons of mistakes in planting churches. However, I choose to view failures as the cost I must pay to achieve my dreams. Here's a sampling of the many pitfalls and mistakes I've encountered or made personally. First of all, not using Saturdays for group evangelism, Bible studies, and service. I've given into fear, persecution, and negativity. Small towns and small urban areas are especially conducive to this kind of fear. I was often worried too much about how my church work would affect my personal business. Not taking time to help my wife grow spiritually not trusting what my gut or the Spirit was telling me, not confronting difficult people and situations quickly enough. I don't know what it is, but small churches seem to magnetically attract drama, controversy, and strange people. They are extremely sensitive to relational conflict and power struggles. If you're in a small church or you're leading a small church, I know that you're nodding your head right now. I yet to deal with problems and problem people quickly and firmly. A small church can have only one leader. If you've got people that are fighting for the leadership, it can really cause problems. What else have I experienced? Being too slow to apologize and resolve relational problems. Accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes, say dumb things, and rub people the wrong way at times. That's true with both your physical and your spiritual family. Don't agonize over mistakes that you've made. Simply apologize or make it right as soon as you can. I've placed people in leadership too quickly before they are ready. 
Paul, Paul was right when he told Timothy, never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. In an effort to have a support team around me, I appointed people who appeared to be mature, but over time turned out to be emotionally unstable. I wish I had waited to find someone who is stable and trustworthy. It's better to wait than put someone in a leadership position who has the potential to create problems. What else have I done wrong? I looked to the outside for help rather than finding a solution locally. Don't get in the habit of whining about your situation to your sending or supporting church. Seek first to find a local solution to your financial or staffing challenge. I've been too uptight about the kind of people who started coming to church. Startup churches are rough and they're raw. They attract that same type of character. It takes a lot of faith for those first converts to make it. You are going to draw a lot of unique individuals to your planting. Love them all and enjoy the process. What else? I've been too focused on hitting growth goals and not enough on building right and well. Bill Walsh, the 49ers football coach, who in a matter of three years took one of the worst teams in the league to a Super Bowl championship, said this, Concentrate on what will produce the results rather than on the results, the process rather than the prize. If you focus on the fundamentals of good leadership and develop a system that emphasizes good spiritual practices, in time you will grow. Focus on doing well in areas like prayer, evangelism, fellowship, discipling younger disciples, and in time, the growth will happen. You can't control the results directly, but you can control your behavior, actions, and words. Concentrate on building your skill set, and in time, growth will happen. What else have I gone wrong on? How about getting too hung up on not hitting goals I've set, rather than just being thankful for the good that has happened? Being too concerned with what others think rather than what God thinks. We can spend our time worrying about what quote-unquote they think rather than what's needed in your current situation. 99% of the time, they aren't even thinking about you, whoever they may be. Maybe it's another church or people that you respect. They're probably not even, you're not even crossing their mind. And if they are, they will often support the decisions you're making. Not taking enough risks. The memories I'm the proudest of are also the ones that demanded a risky, bold move. I'm not saying to be reckless and unthinking, but once you've prayed and thought about what to do, don't let fear hold you back. This quote quote has helped me when I've been tempted to wimp out. Until one is committed, there's hesitancy, the chance to draw back. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there's one elementary truth that ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. That the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no man could have dreamed would have come his way. Whatever you can do, or dream you can do, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. I love that quote, and it's so true. When you start a big adventure, it's scary. And if it's not scary, it's probably not, it's not worth even fighting for. But you got to be bold. And when you step out in faith, God comes to the rescue. What else have I done wrong? Traveling too much. Schedule your travel so that you can maintain semester rhythm. If you're constantly traveling, it's hard to move Bible studies from beginning to end. 
I've met people that come to church and they say, I want to make disciples. But then they're out of town two weeks out of the month and they can't really work with people from beginning to end. You, you have to stay with people. You have to work with people from the word study to counting the cost. It takes time. It takes emotional investment. Don't travel too much. I've scheduled too much and worn people out with a busy schedule. Small churches shouldn't be over-programmed. Keep the calendar open so that people can find open evenings and days for meeting with others for evangelism, Bible studies, and discipling. I've gotten too busy to read consistently. I've covered this in detail, but reading has the power to keep you fired up, so don't neglect it. I've not called quickly enough to get help on a difficult situation. Once you hear about a quote-unquote situation going on in your church, whether it's a sin situation, a relational conflict, or an attack on your leadership, don't waste time worrying about it and asking yourself, why me? Why is this happening? Instead, call a mature disciple immediately and ask for help on how to deal with it. Just tackle it. Don't sit there and stew in your emotional juices worrying about what may happen. Just take action. Naivete. Hand-in-hand with optimism is a naive attitude that everything will go well without opposition. I've been guilty of being naive. Satan loves to knock the wind out of a new church leader and his team. I call this Satan's gut punch. When I was eight, I spent the night at my friend Daryl's house. We went outside to fly kites, but the wind wasn't very strong. I had to run backward to get enough speed to lift the kite into the air. I didn't see the piled up rocks in the middle of his yard that served as landscaping. I tripped and landed with my back hitting a gallon-sized decorative rock. I remember the panic in my mind as I struggled to breathe. I was filled with fear and surprise because I never saw it coming. This is what Satan tries to do early on in church plantings. When we planted a church in Portland, Oregon, the first girl we reached out to on campus studied the Bible and became a Christian. It was awesome. She even brought her parents to church. We were so thrilled at God's blessing on our new planting. We didn't know that her parents only came to church to spy out their daughter's new church. That was the last time we ever saw that girl, or her parents. Her parents hired professional counselors to fill the girl with lies about our church. You can expect that your first converts will be targeted. Satan wants you to lose confidence and faith at the very beginning. If he can make your heart melt with fear, he can beat you early. So don't be naive. Expect tough times at all times. Know when to quit. There are times when when you will need to close up shop and try something else. I don't like to say this, but beating your head against the wall year after year with no fruit is a waste of your life and God's resources. There are countless reasons why a church planting may not succeed. If you've been in a location for several years with little or no growth and no expectation for improvement, you will need to consider shutting the planting down and going elsewhere. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It just may reveal that you aren't in the right place at the right time. Pam and I were excited about planting a church in Japan while we lived there. We had our hearts set on Sapporo, on the island of Hokkaido. We were asked by the leadership of the church if instead we could move to Fukuoka, on the island of Kyushu. There was a small church planting that had failed to flourish in its first year, and we were asked to take over the leadership from the first couple. We were excited and grateful and moved with our three kids and additional disciples. That year, we baptized a few people, and the church grew very slowly. If we'd stayed longer, it probably would have grown more. However, at the time, Pam and I felt that it was a failure, and we took a hit to our faith. 
The church has since dwindled, and only a few disciples remain there. After a year, we felt that our talents would be better used in a different environment. I was disappointed, but I'm grateful for that year there and the people we were able to work with and help. Know your limitations. You may be great, but you won't be great at everything. Thanks for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First of all, hit the subscribe button and send a link to your friends. Let people know about it. Secondly, read and review one of my books, either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find them on Amazon.com because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no-regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.